Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Making money on the internet is kind of everybody's dream. People talk about it. People try and do it. People give Mark Zuckerberg a lot of money and don't do it, right? It's, it's not an easy thing to do. And as an entrepreneur, how do you divide your time between the marketing side, the internet side, the making money side, the serving your client side, right? And so today's conversation is going to be not just about how my, my guest created his business, where it came from, the lessons he learned along the way, but we're also going to talk a little bit about the internet. We're in a very internet-based time. People aren't going out. People aren't meeting in person. Everyone's flooding the internet um, with advertising, with nonsense, and with various degrees of success. And so how can we take advantage of this opportunity and utilize it and learn what's working? This is Adam Kipnis, host of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Appreciate you all listening today. Want to give a thanks to C-Suite Radio and the C-Suite Network for providing the platform for me and to my sponsor, Network Together. It is a nationwide group of entrepreneurs and business people that come together online for meetings and events and training and knowledge and clients and all of those good things. Go to ntevents.net, ntevents.net, and you will have access to all of their meetings. They do, I don't know, 100 meetings a week. Uh, so depending on the time, the locations you want to hit and you want to be virtual, all of those good things. Um, ntevents.net. So without further ado, I want to bring in my guest, Darwin Liu. Thanks for being here today. Look forward to having the conversation and hearing your story. No, thank you for having me, Adam. Thanks for uh, bringing me in front of your guest. Um, lucky to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see if you're lucky. We'll see if you like my questions. I bet you will. Uh, but I want to start with a little bit of your story in, in how you got started. Because just reading your bio, which I'll let you tell rather than reading it for the audience, you just stayed up all night, hustled the hell out of it, and turned it into something great. But where did that where did that start in you? Yeah, so I mean, even as a kid, right? So just a, a quick funny story is I was a mistake. I got sent right back to China uh, when I was like two years old. So you know, I think I was always independent, right? I came back at six years old, and I was basically by myself. Um, I started running businesses when I was a kid. So I think I sold magic cards in fifth grade. Then I sold items on Diablo three in like twelfth grade. And I played a ton of poker in college. So, um, you know, I think this was always my thing. I never did good in school. I, I got kept back one year. <laughs> um, I think I almost failed out of college. So, you know, I think the entrepreneur spirit was always in me as a kid already. You know, I always had that drive to actually do something about it. Very cool. And uh, so why college? If you had this drive and you weren't a very good student, um, why, why did you spend the four years in college and go down that route to, to be a standard American person getting a job for 40 years of your life? Well, I mean, you know, me being Asian and our parents forcing us to go to college and thinking that I'm going to be some kind of doctor was basically <laughs> why I had to go. I don't think I had a choice at that, uh, at that moment. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. And um, so, so you go to college. What, what were you selling in college? Because I'm betting you were doing something. Uh, well, I was playing poker in college. Um, okay. Poker basically funded my whole college, uh, fund my, my college tuition, got my car. So it was always a hustle at some point. And, and poker was definitely the main hustle in college. Online or in person or both? Uh, both. But online was the, the big, uh, I guess, the, the big money maker, right? So back when I was in college, uh, poker was still 
legal online. So then when I was uh, playing, um, you know, I was playing big tournaments where there was 4,000 to say 20,000 people and I was winning those tournaments over and over again. Interesting. So you are the, uh, literally the second person that I've had on the show that, that poker was sort of their first business. And so I'll ask you this, the same question I asked him, like as you're playing poker and you're making money and it's paying for your college, paying for your cars, did you run it like a business? Like how did you think about which tournaments to enter and how did you build a strategy out? Did you have a poker business? I guess is the question. Yeah. So, you know, I think I'm what 35 now and I, I know what my biggest issues were growing up. Um, you know, even through elementary school and middle school, I've always had sort of these businesses, but I never controlled cash flow. Um, and poker, I did not run like a business. Every tournament I won, you know, I, I picked up money and I just bought something with it versus reinvesting and putting into bigger tournaments versus staying in the, you know, the league I was already in. So I did not run it like a business. I, I ran it like a college kid, um, you know, <laughs> money whenever I can. So yeah, if I knew what I knew now, obviously it would have been totally different, you know? Un understood. And uh, well, th this show is all about lessons that you learn. So that's definitely one of those lessons you learn. And um, I don't know if this affected you, but I, I know this from, from a friend that, that ran an online poker company, plus other people I, I've interviewed. Um, in one day, the online poker world was pretty much shut down in the U.S. because some rules changed and like they raided and shut down everything. Were you caught up in that or were you already out of the poker world when that happened? So it wasn't one day, right? I think it was two phases. Um, the first phase was the phase where I think it was they, they took away net pay or net whatever the payment was. Stop it. Whatever the payment system was, really stop. Thank you so much. Um, and then, you know, I think as an entrepreneur, you always try to find ways to, to do things, right? Um, yes, they, they blocked a lot of the payment gateways in the US, but I did not stop. We were still able to play um, for the most part. We just had to pick a different way to, to catch on our money. So uh, eventually, though, they did finally figure out how to basically just stop all of it. And I was caught up in that one, but um, not, not the first wave. Okay. Well, that's good. So you made it through the second wave. So you made a few more bucks, but then, then that income stream stops, right? You can no longer play online and you need to do something different. What was the transition from that being a big part of your life to saying, all right, now I need a new income stream. What am I going to do? Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, I was already getting bored of it. Right. And they always say, do something that you love, do something that you love. But I think if you do something that you love long enough, you eventually start to hate it. Um, so when that came, it was a natural progression. So I basically stopped and it was like, it was my next hustle. And by that point, you know, I graduated college right at the same time. So it was kind of perfect where I didn't know what I was doing in my life. Uh, poker stopped. Um, and it was like, what's next? So that's when I actually just Googled how to get rich online. <laughs> and, and I, I, I and he really did. I mean, that's in his bio, um, how to get rich online. So you have $0, not a ton of focus as to what to do next. You Google how to get rich online. What came up? What struck you? Yeah. So the first thing that came up was literally just online marketing, you know? Um, and it was really just rolling the dice. I was like, all right, F it. Um, just do it. So um, I just went on the forum and I was like, let's, let's just do it. I didn't know a single thing about marketing. I didn't know a single thing about making websites but I really did not want to work for anyone, you know? So for me, it was just like, it was sort of my way of not facing reality for the most part, you know, of like, okay, do I really have to get a job? Um, but it was me, I just immersed myself in online marketing basically by that point. Interesting. And, and when you say online marketing, obviously very, very broad 
broad spectrum of what can be done. But did you take a course? Did you just follow other people? How did you get into the learning side of it so you could figure out how to make money on it? Yeah, so I think, you know, I don't know when people start to realize this, but to be an entrepreneur, you can't learn that in school, I don't think, right? So um, it was really just by doing. Um, it was, you know, Googling how to actually do it, watching videos, and then really just learning on your own. I think that the easiest way to learn really is to start doing something versus just taking a course on it. So I was making websites from scratch. Um, I was watching videos and doing things at the same time. I was using my own credit card to try to sell scams. You know, I was selling like a free fat, fat loss a rebuilds that people didn't know about free iPads that no one really got, you know? So um, putting my own credit card on the line, learning how to do all this stuff and just basically losing money. <laughs> and and, and I, I'm not advocating everyone go do scams and, and, and take people's money, but in the end you lost your own money too. So it wasn't like a lucrative thing for you, but you got some, some training on it, right? You, you figured out what works, what didn't work. When did it begin to start to come together? What were, what were you selling? Who were your clients and, and what started to come together for you? Yeah. So I, I guess a couple of things, you know, I say scams, but I think we learn the most when we sort of go off the cuff with the people who are actually, you know, doing the, the crazy stuff, right? I say scams, but at the end of the day, it's, it's really the people who were thinking, which who I was learning from. Um, you know, I still don't have it together, to be honest. <laughs> um, at the end, of, I failed, right? So I owed about 30 grand on my credit card. I really couldn't pay it. So I actually got a job. Um, I had to get a job at T-level, you know, working at online marketing company, um, getting paid really nothing. So it still didn't click by then. I was, you know, that wasn't really my end, but it was sort of like a means to an end. Um, I worked knowing that I still want to do online marketing, that this was just to help me pay my bills because I couldn't. So while working at the agency, I was still learning my stuff at night and I was building my own brand name and I was getting my own clients on the side. So eventually, you know, over the five years of working at an agency, I basically acquired enough clients to start my own. Nice. So, so you had your side hustle going and you're building websites, doing marketing, ad work, marketing. Um, all the things that you were doing for them. And so now you've got enough money coming in to leave your job, but you kind of created a job for yourself, right? Because you're doing all of this work for your clients. Yep. Where did it turn into a business? Meaning you got things a bit more streamlined. You have a team now that you work with. How did that business come in? So you didn't just have to trade your personal time for money. Yeah. So, you know, the funny story is when I was starting this journey of online marketing, my parents called me stupid for, for doing this and not getting any money for it. Right. Uh, and then they also called me stupid for getting a job after because, you know, I, I basically didn't, weren't able to do what I, I said I was going to do. Then, you know, so while I was working on my company, while I had my side clients, I was making somewhere around 300 to 50 grand a year. Right. And then they call me stupid because I basically threw away my, my income from my job. And then I took whatever money I was making from my clients to start a team. So from basically 350 grand a year to nothing, right? Because I wasn't paying myself a salary. I had to get an office and I hired two people. Um, that was a transition, you know, and it was, and that's a jump, right? Because you go from self-employed to saying, okay, um, am I willing to take the next risk to actually put money into this company, not get paid and, maybe not even make any money. Right. So that was right. sort of, you know, that, that is the transition. And, and 
I, I took the risk. I, I didn't pay myself for a whole year. And then, you know, that's, that's where we're at now. Wow. So, so you said rather than just transitioning over, giving up the, the salary you were getting and living off of what you were making and growing that, you said, I'm going all in. I'm starting X agency and I'm hiring two people. I'm going to get an office. I'm going to take on expenses. I mean, you had just gotten yourself, I'm assuming out of debt because you were making enough money to, to do all of that. And you're like, I'm going to go do it again. Why? Why did you decide to do it again? Yeah. So, you know, again, I don't know how everyone else is, but I think as an entrepreneur, you never sort of give up, right? So if you're an entrepreneur, you just keep going. A lot of entrepreneurs, they don't, you know, succeed on the first try. They fail and fail and then they, and then they finally get it. So for me, it was like, you know, I set out to be an entrepreneur. I don't think I've ever wanted to work corporate and continue that journey. So for me, it would have been living a lot. So I went all in, you know, and I know that I would have still went all in, even if I failed again, you know, so. I love that. I love that. And I appreciate that. I appreciate you just being so open about why you did it. And so now you've got 350 coming in and going right back out to expenses, probably some marketing that you did on, on your own, but then you build it up to a million bucks, million bucks plus in revenue. And now you've got an ongoing team as the, the leader of that team. How do you translate your vision? Because you just do right. Entrepreneurs take action. Entrepreneurs get after it. They hire people and those people for better or worse, many times are employees. They have an employee mentality. They come in and they're looking for someone to tell them what to do. How do you instill your drive, your passion, your vision to the rest of your team so this business can continue to grow? So I think as a leader, you really have to actually, I'm trying to find the phrase for um, do as you say or say as you do. It's, it's whatever those are, right? So like, for me, I work extremely hard and I think everyone here sees the amount of work I put in. So for them, they, they're sort of motivi motivated by what I'm doing, right? I think if me as being the leader wasn't hardworking and I, I clocked out early and I didn't work at all, I think for them, they would sort of think that everything was a sham. So I think that's where they see, you know, like like the, the passion and the vision and, and they do follow along because of that, so. Very cool. And, and, and obviously you've hired the right people. If if they're doing the same thing. You know, one of, the, one of the hardest things, and I've had this conversation with a lot of my clients in, in sort of the, the COVID world is people are now working from home. I don't know what it's like in your office, but if they're working from home, how do you know if they're working three hours and telling you it's eight or if they're working 24 hours because they're sitting at home, they might as well be working. How, do you, how are you managing your team and how do you find the right people that, that are gonna be working 24 hours just like you? Yeah. So, I mean, you don't, right. At the end of the day, I don't know how much they're working, but so a couple of things is, you know, we have a, our daily huddle, which is a, our zoom calls. Right. But I don't think hours is necessarily the, the correct measurement for this. It's really output. So I think as, as the owner, you know, who's outputting what, and I can care less if it's eight hours or 40 hours, if they're outputting enough work, then I'm okay with that. Right. So we know at the end of the day, management knows that, okay, well, this guy isn't doing much or this guy is, you know, so, um, and we, we try not to sort of micromanage people because at the end of the day, that sort of kills morale. Um, where, you know, I think we, we trust all of our employees to do what they must do. And if they don't, then, you know, they just, just get let go. <laughs> but right. so, nothing here, nothing here. Good. Well, well I'm, I'm glad that's working for you. So now you've, in X agency, talk a little bit about what online marketing means, right? Because it could be funnel building. It could be Google ads. It could be YouTube videos. It could be building websites. There's a whole spectrum of quote unquote online marketing. What, 
what do you do for your clients? And next step, what are you doing more aggressively today because of the environment? Yeah, so I, I guess a couple of things, right? There isn't a one size fit all, fits all, you know, marketing program that works for any industry What I, is what I would say. I think a lot of people come in, they buy a book from a guru and think that, you know, it's going to work, but it really doesn't work that way. Right. <laughs> um, for us, right, we, we focus on one industry, which is e-commerce. So, you know, we our clients are mid to price level. They're spending millions of dollars and they're, they're sort of in that mid-level market. We don't try to go for the small businesses just because it's about the same amount of work, but just more headaches, right? So for us, um, what we really focus on is trying to drive uh, revenue uh, at a good positive ROAS. And we do the gamut. So we run our Google ads, we run our Facebook ads, we run email, SEO. Um, but we have a whole program and a strategy to sell more things online, just because, you know, I think that the, the, the in our market, the e-com uh, side of things, the buyer is different from, you know, someone trying to get, go into a restaurant and we sort of have that down pat. Um, at my, at the agency that I worked at, we didn't have any system to processes in place, you know? So one manager would be good at one, one area, the other manager would be totally horrible, you know? And they would also do every single industry. So there wasn't like a standard at the company. For us, um, every account is basically the same. We, have, we take all of our learnings from every single account, we put them all together. And usually our, I mean, our clients, every time we take over, they increase by say anywhere from 30% to 100% in revenue with all touches and spend, so. That's amazing. And so you, you were able to find an industry that, that you're successful in because if we look at e-commerce and what that means, I buy everything from, from Amazon pretty much. Yep. Um, right. And I live in Phoenix. I can get my food delivered from Amazon in two hours to my door. Um, I don't have to see anyone. I don't have to go outside. I don't have to do anything, but the e-commerce space, there's a lot of people selling stuff for specific industries. What industry did you focus on? So you you're, you're not sort of challenged with the, oh, I can just buy that on Amazon kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, again, this is what I would say, which is a couple of things. Um, industry doesn't matter. You know, every time that we take over, we ask the question, hey, uh, what kind of experience do you have selling toys? What kind of experience do you have selling office supplies? You know, and I say none. But if we run a correct marketing program, uh, you'll come out way better than us understanding the industry to start off with, right? Uh, and, and again, for us, we run ads on Amazon. You know, people think that Amazon is all on my Amazon, but it's really not. That's part of our program. You know, it's a marketplace. So uh, Amazon is part of our strategy. We do run ads on Amazon. Um, and, you know, that's just one piece of it. So, yes, Amazon is the, is the king of everything, but we try to tell all of our clients that you don't want to be victim to Amazon. So when Amazon comes and changes the algorithm or, or cancels you out for some weird reason, then you're totally gone, you know? So for us, we try to tell them to own their own sales channel. Uh, Amazon is just a small piece, you know, we, we run our Google ads, we make sure that they're selling on their own website. So that's, that's the bigger piece for, for everything. Got it, makes sense. And in this world, obviously, um, with whether it's Google or Amazon or Facebook or Instagram, they're changing their algorithms daily, if not multiple times a day in order to um, not, not let people catch on too much, right? So you have to continue to be educated. And that's where the, the average listener here is burning money on Facebook ads, for example, because Facebook's changing things before they even get them up and running to see if they're working. How do your, you and your team um, stay on it? I mean, that's a lot to learn and a, and a lot that could go wrong? How do you stay ahead of it and think about it and plan for it? 
Yeah, so I guess a couple of things, you know, you bring up a great point too. I think a lot of business owners comment, they do try to run their own Facebook ads. But I, what I would say is you'll probably save more money just hiring like a consultant on Upwork or something, you know? Because again, the money that you're spending on your own learning and paying way higher CPCs is way more than what you would pay for, for someone to actually manage it, whether it is a solo consultant or a company, whatever it is, you know? Um, but two, for us, you know, and that, that is why I love this industry because things change on the fly so fast that nothing is ever the same, right? Um, and then the way we actually stay on top of everything is we, we're subscribed to almost every single RSS feed. Um, we, we, you know, we have our Facebook reps that tell, tells us uh, the new things that come. We, we're in the betas that, that come out before they sort of release it to the public. So for us, we, you know, I, I made it a, a sort of a thing here to actually be knowledgeable in what we do um, to actually stay on top of everything. To sort of not, you know, fall back to, to what we know. Um, because again, things change. And if we don't basically stay up to date with, with the new things that come along, um, you know, we fall behind and the next agency comes and takes over. Exactly. And you said something really interesting there that you stay in touch with your Facebook rep and they tell you what's coming and, and how to work with it. Uh, maybe it's just me, but that's for some people, that's a foreign concept. Like the idea that Facebook would tell you what it is they're doing. Um, but it's like any vendor relationship. You're, you're through your platform. You're spending a lot of money with Facebook. Yep. You're a, you're a client of theirs and you have a vendor. How did you build that relationship with, with Facebook? Because, you know, to the, the business owner, Facebook is this big nameless, faceless thing that uh, people shout about politics on. But for you, you've got a partner that you do business with. How do you navigate that? Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's just on spend thresholds, right? Um, if you spend enough money, you'll get the chat icon. And depending on which threshold you get to, you'll either get real rep or you'll get the chat icon. Right? Or you'll get nothing, you know? Um, <laughs> most people get nothing. But then again, if you spend enough, you'll you'll hit different levels of their, their, their thing. And, you know, they just want you to spend more money, right? Because they know that you're, if you're not going to spend it with them, you're going to go to Google, you're going to go to Bing, you're gonna go to Amazon. So they're trying to get you onto the newest things so that you can, you know, try to sell it to your clients. Um, and it's a sales relationship at the end of the day. They do the same thing. Google does the same thing. They try to sell us their products, right? Try to get us to spend more money uh, at their platform. Um, even just yesterday, you know, our Google reps asking us what our budget for Q4 is and where we're putting it, right? Like, oh, are you going to put it here? Are you going to put it in, in uh, Facebook? You know, so they, they just want us to spend. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, like, like, like any good vendor, any good salesperson, uh, where's the money? What can I get? And how much of it can I get? Um, as we entered 2020, right? You probably had a plan. You, you're, you knew what you were going to do for your clients. And then shutdown starts and a lot of those clients now have to go more online than they did before. How were you able, one, to help transition them, just because I want to listen to the sort of the thinking about it, but also how has life changed for you and your clients in terms of they got to get more of their revenue online than they ever did before and you're their conduit to do it? Yeah, so I think the, I sort of live by this rule, which is when everyone goes one way, we want to go the other way, right? Um, during COVID, everyone was afraid to actually advertise. A lot of our clients actually did not want to put money online, especially the bigger corporate companies that, you know, were held to a, um, you know, the public stock prices and, and everyone said, okay, we, we should not be advertising during COVID because no one's buying or whatever it is. Um, but 
again, when no one is advertising, that's when we should actually be advertising, right? So we were able to get some of our clients to actually advertise and we were paying bottom dollar CPCs, you know, like nine cent CPCs, where, which is unheard of at this, uh, during this, this, this time uh, age, right? Um, and really funny because COVID actually just turned everything up sideways. Um, some clients did extremely well. Some clients actually did horrible. It just changed everything around, you know? We had a food delivery company that, that started, you know, increasing everything by 200%. And we have other companies that were selling clothes that basically just dipped all the way down. So um, for us, it was really, one, getting them to actually advertise and actually just testing out the market. Um, but two is if something's working, we just push the hell out of it. So, you know, um, it is our job as the guide to actually get our clients to, to, to make the right decisions, right? But ultimately it's up to them to, to see what they want to do or not. But for us, it was like, all right, it's COVID, no one's advertising, all of our clients should be advertising. And the one that actually did, I made a killing. Makes sense, makes sense. So sort of final question, two part question as we wrap up here, right? Who knows how much longer that the, the current world is going to last in, in terms of people more staying at home, quarantine, vaccines, all that stuff. It could be tomorrow we wake up and there's a vaccine, or it could be another year, right? When you're talking to your clients, how are you planning their marketing strategies? And then also for your business, how are you planning as we look out not knowing when things are going to quote unquote normalize? Like, how do you think about it as a business owner and how do you counsel your clients? Yeah, so for our clients, right? Um, at the end of the day, the landscape's already changed. So I would say that it's kind of staying this way for the most part. Obviously the people being home and not, it is totally different, right? But new industries were created because of COVID, you know? Uh, whoever started buying groceries online is gonna stay buying groceries. So for, for our clients, a lot of times, you know, if they've gained during this time, we get them to come um, we do know that when the time comes, you know, when there's a vaccine, people are going to, you know, go out more instead of shopping online for Black Friday, they're actually just going to go into the stores, but that's a long time away. Um, you know, at least for us, we, we think that this is at least going to be happening for the next year, just because the vaccine is going to come out does not mean that it's going to be right away. Right. So right. <laughs> at least for the next year, we are definitely still about the same. Um, and then for us, you know, again, Marketing is totally different for our clients versus us. Um, B2B is totally different from e-commerce, which is totally different from local, which is totally different from small business, right? So if you, you know, your listeners, I don't know exactly which sort of market that they fall into, but again, for, for us B2B, we, we do a lot of referral marketing. Um, you know, warm leads for us is way better than cold leads, right? So we do our sales, we, we do our blogging, we do our email, we do our outreaches. But for us, we try to gain partners because the more partners that come and bring us more business, that's sort of how we grew in the first place, which was to get these mid-level partners. So for example, some CMOs that would basically go from company to company and they would just bring us in as a warm lead. Now, that was pretty basic and easy for us. Um, would that work for a smaller company? No, right? For, for something like a, a, a local, smaller you know, consultant, I would say Facebook is probably the best way to go. Um, Again, for e-com, mid-level, you know, company would be AdWords, remarketing, that email, text messages, all, you know, the works. But again, it, it all depends on sort of what the market is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I appreciate that. It's just, you know, because it's interesting because marketing, um, marketing is always the same. It's the, it's the avenue that changes, right? Um, we still got to have a compelling message. You still have to have something that people want. You still have to hit them at the right time and, and know what you're talking about. But the avenues and the channels change 
And, and so it's just good to hear from a professional. How do you think about it? How are you looking at it? I really appreciate the conversation and uh, the knowledge. Thanks for your time, Darwin. No, thanks, thanks for much. having me. Uh, this is fun. <laughs> yeah, you're very welcome. Uh, best of luck to the team. Hope everyone stays good, stays safe. And thanks, everyone, for listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Thank you. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.